Hey friends, welcome to episode 28 of Sprouting in STEM, the podcast about young people in science. I'm Audrey Farrell. And I'm her lovely co-host, Matthew Murphy. And today we talked about what to expect from intro physics. <laughs> no, that was that's bad. That's not right. <laughs> I, I, I had a brain fart there. You want to try again? I'm not, my part was fine. You go again. <laughs> well, I, I could just edit out the last part, right? Yeah, yeah. And this week we talked about expectations in intro physics. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just found a raisin on my chair and I don't know how old it is. Interesting. Well, uh, fair warning, my cat is in the room this episode, so uh, prepare for crying. Isn't that part of the course, though? She wasn't in the last one, I don't think. Huh. Weird. I don't remember, I don't remember editing out any, any cries. Hmm. That's so fair. She mustn't have been in the room. <laughs> like It's impossible for us to have gotten through a whole episode without her crying, had she been in the room. Hey, she might be making progress in that. Cut her some slack. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very easily distracted because her little cat face is like right above my monitor, just staring. It is so cute. You're just going to... Just gonna keep looking. Or do you <laughs> okay, want to do okay. an episode? Okay, wait. <laughs> let me tell you this about my cat: is that sometimes if you get the right angle, looking at her face, she just looks like a person. That's and so, uncomfortable. <laughs> like I don't know what it is about like her facial proportions, but sometimes I look at her and I'm just like, "You have a human face," <laughs> and so she looks like Cats 2019. Weird. Like a little. I don't bit. like that. <laughs> it's very funny. It makes me happy, at least. It's part of why I picked her, because she was born with, like, ten other cats at my friend's house. And I'm like, this one has a human face, and I think that's hilarious. You just this knew. This is my cat. You yeah. saw it, and you were like, hmm, this reminds me of a movie that's going to be made soon. You just had visions of cats. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 2019 in your head. And w- whenever she yawns, she likes to stick her whole head up and yawn upward. It's very cute. It's like she's howling. She's speaking to the heavens. Yeah, that's my story. We're ten minutes in. I've only talked about my cat and the weather. How are you? I'm doing well. I am doing quite well. I'm happy that things are starting to wind down in terms of the semester and everything. Kind of just got that like last big chunk of crap to do. Just chopping away at that. Hmm. It's been my life. Yeah, I like the end is in sight now, but I've got so much shit to do before the end that I'm just exhausted. <laughs> I just ready to be done. And I can't wait for the end of the semester just so I could start playing Animal Crossing again. Oh my god. So I have not played at all in like the I, past two I, weeks. Can I show you something? Sure. Did you buy fake art? No. Well, yes, actually, today I got some fake art. It was really annoying. But this is my uh, pr- proposed island map that I am working on right now. Interesting. Nice. I dig yeah, it. so right now I have, like, the outer perimeter river in place. Now I'm, I've officially set up the cliffs for the museum, but everything else is just a mess. So right when you first come onto my island, I have a big, cons- like, row of construction signs. I mean, like, don't judge me. It's not done yet. 
it's a work in progress definitely i like based on how many things i have to move and like bridges and inclines to destroy and then rebuild i think this is going to take me like two or three weeks cool that's that's what i'm working on right now instead of like schoolwork well maybe that's why your lab report is not done yet Well, okay so (laughs) i um i've just been like waking up and before I get out of bed, I'll spend like an hour on Animal Crossing, and then I'm just done. And it's been a kind of a good setup. It's getting me in a good groove. All right. Just like get everything right. done that you can for the day. Move the one building, and just like rebuild the one bridge, or whatever, and then you're done for the day. Like sometimes I'll do a little bit at night to make extra money for the next day, but that's about it. It's been All right. it's All been right. nice. So I haven't been spending hours and hours and hours working on this, but I trust you. Yeah. What are you gonna do when your island's done? <sighs> Isn't that the question? I feel like it's one of those things where your island's never really done. Like I have a lot of open space in my in my plan right now that I plan on filling up with like furniture kind of as I find it, you know? Yeah. Because I feel like right now I don't have any big sets of furniture or like outdoorsy things that would make me want to build a certain area but i've seen people want to build like cafes which i'd love to build a cafe if i ever got enough stuff for it that's so cute or like um you know little like parks and playgrounds and stuff like that like i feel like those kind of spring up naturally as you see what kind of furniture comes into your shop so i feel like it's never going to be fully done otherwise the game's going to really suck that's true I saw a really funny thing where someone set up like a sushi restaurant mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I always wanted to take my villagers for sushi and I finally could. And they had all the villagers like in like crowding around and in the center was four beds and they had all the like squid or octopus villagers laying down on the beds. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a little outdoor like coffee shop kind of patio is definitely something I want to build one day. But I have none of the things required to do so. Just gotta keep checking back at the cranny. I know. Anyway. (laughs) A podcast. How is your skateboarding adventures going? It's going quite well, actually. So, oh my god, many things have happened since we last discussed my skateboarding adventures. Um, So, I think... I I have one friend here in town and we had like a a very open discussion about whether or not it would be a good idea to see each other because of, you know, existing circumstances. And we came to the conclusion after like a good amount of like research and considering our individual circumstances that it was okay for us to, to meet and hang out outside because we both don't go other places. We're not seeing other people and we're in a very low risk area and so as long as we keep our circle small we don't feel that bad seeing each other and in (laughs) in light of both of our own mental health it was deemed necessary to have other people to hang out with so um we went on like a two-hour hike on saturday and i think i have successfully uh recruited her into my skate posse you're two-man posse now two-man well you say two-man 
but I've been working my magics outside the realm of physical contact for this skate posse. And so I have a few people interested in also learning to skate that we're going to like, like video chat each other and skate together. Is that just a like posse prop- though? Yeah. It's just like, prop I feel your like phone posses up. ride together. Well, and if you're yes, virtually but- together, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same, but given the circumstances, we all have to adapt, yeah? We'll be a full skate posse one day. One day, but, but it's, not it's yet nice a posse. Because, yeah, but it, it means that... You're well, more of a club. I feel like you have to you have to reframe your vocabulary in the light of current times, right? So, I don't think so. While traditionally a posse might have to be together in person, I think these days, in these global circumstances, it's okay for your posse to be digital. I just think there's a distinction and we need a new word you know what i'm gonna call it a posse because that's what makes me happy but you can call it something else you can call it a club if you want Mm, that's my my skateboarding update my posse is growing it's a good time if you want to join the posse let me know you know when i was like (laughs) 12 maybe mm-hmm. I had a pipe dream of learning how to skateboard mm-hmm. but that has since passed never give up on your pipe dreams Matt I've given up on that one I'm just saying my posse is accepting applications <laughs> it's not an invite only clan um not very exclusive now is it well does it need to be we're inclusive I would never build a non-inclusive posse. How dare you? That's that's it. Anyway, we're 25 minutes in. Matt, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> um, That's a good question. You mentioned you're working on your lab report, and that was something you said you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to talk about labs because I, I was... Uh, while I was working on my lab report, a few of my friends were also working on their intro physics lab reports. And the question was raised if these reports ever actually prepare you to do anything in in life and in science. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about. I think because I had what I would classify a unique experience with a lab, mm-hmm. I think they do, but they're not used to their full potential. Because which, lab reports... lab is your unique experience? My astrolab. Mm. Because I think most labs and, like, the reports are formatted to be completely separate from, like, actual scientific writings. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is a very good opportunity to teach students how to write, like, legitimate, you know, journal articles and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas that's what I did in my astrolab. We were taught how to, like format a proper scientific paper and write one when we were graded based on that yeah and that's how if you, yeah that's how my my current lab is because they're senior labs like your astro yeah. lab was a senior level lab and yeah. mine was a senior level lab i think once you get to that level you're expected to be like especially prepared to go out into the field and so they have you writing like all of your lab reports are, are formatted exactly like journal articles with with references, with the same like whole style guide and all the it's it's kind of judged on 
I mean, not quite that level because you're still not presenting novel research, but it's it's graded more like research than like I don't even know how you describe intro labs. But then the problem is is that you don't get that experience until you get to that senior lab, and there's nothing building up to it. I feel like um for for me, electronics lab helped kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Because we, I mean, as as physics majors, we've had a lot of, a lot of labs. We do a lab first semester and second semester freshman year, and then we have a modern physics lab, and then we have waves and optics lab, and then we have electronics lab, and then we have senior lab. So there are only two semesters out of college that we haven't had labs. Right? Am I doing that right? Am I forgetting one? Something like that. I don't. Something like that. No, off the top of my head. So we've done our fair share of labs, and I feel like for me, like I took a semester off of lab. First semester of junior year was, I think, my first semester without a lab, and that semester I had also been doing a lot of research, and so when I came back for like junior electronics lab in physics. I feel like I wrote at a much higher caliber of scientific writing than I had previously. Because your first, your first labs, the way you write them, it doesn't feel like scientific writing at all. I don't it's even like a know. Book report. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like very, it's very basic. It's very like we did this and then we did this and here's an equation and this proves that we can solve for gravity using this <laughs> effect, you know? Like your your whole first year of physics labs are like, solve for gravity and see if you got it right. and Like that kind of thing. But I think they are important, your first few labs, in teaching you data analysis. Oh, well, yeah. I think that's like one of the primary things that intro physics labs teach you. And I, I can't speak for like bio or chemistry labs but but your first few labs in physics really what you're learning you're not learning that much physics because you're just covering what you've already learned in class what you're learning is how to how to collect and analyze data and propagate error and you know do do all the kind of basic things that you'll need going forward and i think another issue is that students aren't really given the chance to like do something creative or really come up with their own project which i think hampers like their motivation to write about a project and like work on it yeah like in your senior lab did you get the opportunity to like design your own experiment no (laughs) see that's another unique thing about my astro lab that i'm really actually thankful for is that the last unit that we did, we had to come up with our own experiment. And what we mm. did is we had to write a proposal for it, mm. like in the format of a legitimate, like professional telescope proposal. Yeah. And then what we did is we all kind of collected those and we formed a little committee, mm. like in the format of like a telescope committee to like grant time. And then we ranked these proposals, criticized them. So not only did we gain experience coming up with an original project, mm. but also being able to propose that project, hmm. whether it's for like telescope time or if you want to get like, you know, a grant to have someone pay for your work. 
which I think is a really valuable experience that otherwise kids don't get in undergrad at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, on the one hand, I, I always see the, the benefit of, like, letting people be creative and, and do their own thing. On the other hand, like, labs that I've taken when I've been busy as hell, if they weren't clear about their expectations for the lab, I was so angry and frustrated. I'm like, look, I have 10,000 other things to do. I don't have time to, like, to be creative about it, you know? And... So I feel like, especially by the time we got to like, like optics lab and electronics lab, I was, those semesters, I was so busy that I'm like, look, I just want to get in, get the work done, write the report and be done. You know? But then at that point, you're not getting anything out of it. I still got a lot out of them. And then like, like when I say creative, I don't mean just like you go in and kind of whimsically do whatever you want. Like well, you yeah. define you're still... your own clear problem in your own clear procedure that you need to follow yeah yeah I, th I think a lot of it depends on your familiarity with the material which for intro labs is non-existent so it's like it's impossible to design an experiment in intro level physics lab when right. you don't know the physics yet and it's something that has to be like a gradual process to build up to yeah and like, because like, if you get to the end and all your labs have just been following a procedure, hmm. you don't know how to formulate your own procedure. You just know how to follow directions. Yeah, I feel like that's really what research is for, though, as an undergrad, which for me has been like a, a vital part of my development as a young scientist is, is the entire time I've been doing all these labs, I've also been doing research on my own and they kind of mutually feed into each other. Where like mm -hmm. my kind of my my data analysis skills and and my kind of thinking in the format of how would I present this like a report in a report from the actual lab classes fed into my ability to, to present my research. But then my research skills for like critical problem solving and 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 being kind of creative about about the physics of the whole situation. And, and my computer science skills especially fed back in from my research to my lab so they kind of reinforced each other but I understand that most people especially if you're taking a lab your first year or just if you're taking a lab that's required of you like I have a lot of friends that are bio majors that have to take physics lab and so they're taking physics lab right now as seniors and they're just like I'm I'm fucking done I hate this I can't stand it like it's wasting all my time it's I don't it's not helping me learn the physics and like I don't care about learning the physics because I'm a fucking bio major <laughs> like all like yeah. all this kind of stuff that I I hear from them and, and I feel like that's a separate problem in and of that's itself a whole, a whole separate thing yeah but the cross contamination of curriculums oh my god I always think it's it's funny when you have classes with like people from a, a big mix of majors like I loved being in our um, our analysis class that was like half physics majors, half math majors. And it was so hilarious to see how differently we all approach things mm -hmm. because of the way we've been taught. And it makes it even better, like following that and all your physics classes where they just make fun of how mathematicians do things. Because <laughs> then you're like, you know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't want to do this again. Uh, yeah, like I labs are are hard at an undergrad level because it's it's hard 
especially in intro labs where you have such a broad range of people taking it to see what skills you want them to get out of it. Because if it was just physics majors in the class, the thing you want them to get out of it is like, oh, I want them to really understand the fundamental physics here. And I want them to get like the skills that they're going to need to go on doing research in physics. But that's not the case. You don't have just physics majors in that room. You've got people from such a broad range of, of fields that are going to need a broad range of skills. So I feel like it ends up narrowing it down to, oh, what do we want these kids to take away? Because they're not all physics majors. Oh, they should all know how to propagate error well and like plot some stuff. Because <laughs> that's essentially what you get out of first year physics labs. It's like, oh, I can plot things and perform fits and I can propagate error through an analysis. See, I'm like having trouble kind of trying to think about how that situation could be bettered yeah because like I mean, on one hand you could design it purely for the physics students to like get the most out of it but because that's it's so a physics class everyone else. and it's a f- they're yeah hmm. but at the same time like the physics lab is designed for the physics students so that's what it should be well it's not though but it should be theoretically because sure? it's a physics lab or, but, on the other hand, you could design it for, like, the diverse array of students that are taking it for yeah. whatever reason, whether they're just interested in it at a basic level yeah. or they're just required to because of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. If you design it for them and kind of make it more of, like, a broader educational approach, mm-hmm. then you're taking away from what the physics students would have got out of it. So then when they go on to, like, the higher levels, they're a mm-hmm. little less repaired. Like, for us, there was a bit of a demarcation in that we, for lectures first year, we took the honors version of physics. And that was pretty much exclusively physics majors in that room. Because it was for honors, and the only people that are going to take honors physics when they don't have to are physics majors. Like, that kind of makes sense. But, it like, so we didn't really get to see the kind of lecture environment that, that everyone else was getting. Because we had a pretty small class. That was pretty specialized, and and we went a little deeper into the physics than the other classes. So I feel like we weren't we weren't mingling with uh, people from other backgrounds nearly as much as we would have been if we were in the normal physics curriculum. But for labs, we were shared with everyone. So I think that kind of skews our perspective because it's it's easier to think, oh, like we've learned so much physics, this lab should focus more on the physics. And less on just following the stupid directions and solving for gravity again. Like, like we should be able to do more than this. But we had a different lecture experience than everyone else. By Why by wouldn't shot. they set up two different, like, curriculums? Two different for, labs. Yeah, for, like, the physics students and the non-physics students. And that way you could tailor each to both specifically in a way that'll better maximize their experience. Yeah, like I, but I mean, you gotta take into account the resources of the school. Like we're not, we're not physics department admins. Like we can't really. Well, understand I'm not saying kind of that the, you have to, you know, grab two completely different like setups. You can use the same equipment. You can have the same sort of experiment. But the expectations are different. But, well, one the expectations, but two like, just have two different ways of approaching a problem. Mm-hmm. One that kind of resembles like a physics experiment. The other could be just looking at the problem from a lens of whatever background they're from. 
Yeah, like in an ideal world, maybe we'd have that, but I think it's there's there's definitely a reason they don't split it up. I like. I also I think, intro physics lab, is a real demonstration of some of the things that set physics apart, from other fields in STEM, like the the mindset that you take going into it. it is to me very different because physics experiments especially intro level where you're like essentially like validating basic principles they're very theory motivated you know not quite sure what you mean like they're like when you're doing an intro physics lab and like what are they doing right now they're doing rlc circuits right now and you're measuring the property like you're measuring voltage across your capacitor and you're measuring voltage across your inductor and you're comparing the phases and stuff like that kind of experiment is heavily based on the student's understanding of like the differential equations that that govern this circuit and the system and electromagnetism and like they're heavily dependent like they're they're being asked questions in in the lab manual about like the phase and the phaser diagrams and all this kind of stuff. Like it's very direct from theory, you know? As opposed to what though? As opposed to... Like what could be the alternative to that? You see, here's where we run into trouble because I haven't really taken that many other labs. (laughs) But... So I I, I guess I can't really... I feel like other, other fields like chemistry labs are highly motivated by the procedural aspect of what you're doing like like you're doing that lab in order to practice the procedure of like you know fucking titration or some shit i can't remember chemistry (laughs) like 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 you're trying to make a specific solution and dilute these things and do this kind of chemical process which is less motivated by like the the fundamental first principles theory Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm just fucking completely out of line and chemistry labs are completely different than I'm imagining. I also have no idea what they do in bio lab. Like, do they fucking sequence DNA and stuff? I feel like they do that, but I don't know. Maybe they dissect pigs. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't, I couldn't tell you what they do in those labs. I can tell you what they do in comp sci labs, but I feel like that's a completely different thing. That's the only other lab that I've taken at Stony Brook. <laughs> It's a comp sci lab, so can't help you there. Mm. We should have someone on that's taken a lab. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that that physics is very much like it's not, especially in your first year, it's not practical. Well, you know, yeah, because if you think about it, like anything that you would end up doing later in your career is not at all like things you're going to touch in the first three years of your education whereas it could probably be very different for chemistry because you're going to pick up a pipette your first year and you're going to use it 10 years that's exactly my point yeah so my my understanding of it is that in in like chemistry and bio labs you're learning practical skills that will form the foundation of your research later on whereas in physics labs the skills you're learning like actually in the lab performing things in person 
are not things that are ever going to, like, using a fucking stopwatch, you're never going to do that in your research, like, ever again. Well, the real practical skills, then, are the analysis skills. Exactly. Data data analysis and error propagation, which is also yeah. data analysis. It's the main thing you're learning. So I think that, like, if if the lab is too tailored directly to physics majors, its write-ups will have a very heavy theory component. Right. Which is not... I don't want to say not fair to the people outside of physics, because obviously they're still taking the same course, so their expectation for understanding the material is technically the same. But in reality, like, it's not as important for, like, a marine biologist to understand how RLC circuits work, you know? Which is why there should be two separate experiments. <laughs> well, I guess then the real question is why do bio and chem majors have to take physics lab? In a perfect world, in the ideal world of academic departments that I'm envisioning, mm they would be forced to take physics labs because that gives them a different perspective on problems that they do actually have to solve. But in a reality, it's but just a pain reality, in their ass. <laughs> they're learning perspectives on physics problems that they will never have to solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... like Because physics majors at Stony Brook aren't required to take chem or bio. No, I never stepped yeah. foot in a chemistry lab yeah. at Stony Brook. Oh, never. And yet, like, the engineering students, the bio students, and the chem students all have to take physics. Why is that? Like, I'm happy about it. Oh. But at the same time, like, I have I have two bio friends taking physics right now. Intro physics, second semester. And I'm just watching them have the worst time with, like, one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> which is very sad and frustrating and it's like I wish I could just give to you, like lend you my passion for this subject and and make you understand from my perspective why this is such a cool interesting fascinating field but I can't do that and I know that you just want to go like do whatever your ecology genomics kind of bullshit that I am like think is interesting but I'm not passionate about you know so on the one hand, I want to, like, teach them what I know to try and make them understand why I love what I do. But on the other hand, I understand that this is all just taking up too much of their time anyway. So I don't want to get in the way of them just kind of plowing through it the best they can and just getting it done, what's required of them, even if that means they don't have a fundamental understanding of physics. And it hurts my heart <laughs> because I just wanna I just wanna be like 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 they're they're working on on labs right now. I'll be like asking me a question about the phase in RLC circuits, and I'm like, oh well, if you think about it in like in complex space, and use a phasor diagram, it's actually really easy to understand. And like if I had, you know, an hour to sit with you and work on this and teach you how RLC circuits work from a differential equations kind of standpoint, it would probably be really cool. But you're just trying to write your fucking lab report so you can move on to doing your actual research and stuff that's important to you 
especially because we're seniors like your priority yeah. is not having a fundamental understanding of physics your priority is getting a passing grade in this class so you can fucking graduate and then again goes back to my point yeah have a separate one <laughs> they're not motivated because it's not something that applies to them and it's like the same argument that you see in high school yeah where you have kids who are on track to go into trades and they're learning the pythagorean theorem that they're never going to use oh that's a bad example everyone uses pythagorean theorem that is not true what <laughs> where who what are you talking who uses the pythagorean theorem i use pythagorean theorem and you're a physicist but like you're not a welder you're yeah, not a but bricklayer. Like, no, but if you're like if you're going into a trade where your job is to construct things, you need a fundamental understanding of like angles. Like like I think I think trades have a higher need for geometry than a lot of things. Like you'd need to understand, oh, I want to make a, this triangular cut of wood. How long is do I need to make it in order to like fit in this like fucking whatever like box I'm making? Like, you're going to need Pythagorean Theorem. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, that's a bad example. If you're a woodworker, you need geometry. The point still stands, though. <laughs> yeah. No, I see what you mean. I just think that was a bad example. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Because education is not applied. And, like, I get why. Because if you have a huge, diverse array of students, especially in public school mm -hmm. where it's not at all specialized because how could it be yeah you know kids are young you don't know what they're gonna do mm -hmm. and they don't even know what they're gonna do so you have to kind of generalize it a little bit yeah but i don't know there needs to be some sort of balance i think and i don't quite know where to implement that yeah it's it's weird i think just because physics is a thing that all the other stem fields are kind of like pushed into t into learning for at least a year i think it's like really hard at least for me to let go of the fact that this is my passion and so it's really important to me to be like kind of academically academically whatever like like very rigorous and and make sure that your understanding of the theory is really complete and you can understand it physically and mathematically and and like qualitatively like have a kind of a full and complete understanding of the field because when i learned it that's what was most important to me because i knew i was going further in physics but letting that go for for people who are are just taking it because it's required of them and it's not important for them to maintain their understanding of physics for years to come so it's it's like a really hard thing to kind of like let go of and just be like i'll just try and give you the answers that you're to the questions you're asking as best i can so that you can understand it enough to like not fail this lab but if I had hours and hours and you had the motivation, I could I could explain this in very fine detail in a way that would make much more sense. But I can't. Hmm. You know? I think that's on you. On me? Yeah, on you. <laughs> well, because I, like, I've been a tutor before as well and, and for, for intro physics. And one of my biggest delights in tutoring was when I got a student 
who either was a physics major or was just generally motivated to fully understand the material, you know? And one of the most difficult parts of being a tutor was when my student was just like, I just don't want to fail. And like, I'm required to take this. I don't care about physics. Just tell it to me in a way that I can remember on the exam. Like, tell, tell me an equation that I would use for this type of problem so I can memorize it and get it done when I have the exam next week. Like, that was a real challenge for me. Because what I want to say is, oh, there isn't just one equation. Like, a big part of physics is kind of working from first principles and understanding the motivation for the equation so that you can kind of best figure out how to make new equations to address the situation you're in. But that's not a good answer <laughs> for people outside of the field who are just kind of doing what's required of them. It's a big challenge. And I don't think that's a problem we can really solve at the moment. I mean... Seeing as we're completely, at the moment, disconnected from being in the position of power to make decisions on school <laughs> well, curricula. Well, yes. Like, obviously, this is not thing we can't change. But, like, in an ideal world, I feel like people's first introduction to physics would be a lot different to kind of build the motivation to kind of puzzle things out and... And really, you know, make derivations from first principles instead of memorizing equations. But the way we're educated, especially in the States, kind of enforces this mindset of, oh, where's the formula sheet? I just need the right equation and then I can do this and plug it into my calculator and, and it's no problem. I think that reminds me of the reference table from Regents Physics. Yeah, exactly. The reference table from like Regents Physics and AP Physics is like so vast because that entire exam just based, is based on you finding the right equation and plugging in the right numbers. Which is the way a lot of people learn physics the first time. And so unlearning that in college is really difficult. Right. That's true. I agree with that. Mm. So it's a problem with the introduction. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, like... Obviously, I've got a shit ton of time to figure this out, but if I were ever to teach introductory physics in, in at, like at a college, what would I do differently to try and motivate that mindset going in? Like, that's such a hard question. I would try to introduce the material based on real-world experiences. Yeah. And, of course, that, like, assumes that, you know, the students are actually interested in learning. Yeah. And gaining, like, a physical understanding. But that's kind of beside the point at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of thing like, of, of choosing who your who your audience is for the way yeah. you're teaching. Like, are you... Like, even for physics majors themselves, like, mm -hmm. who might not be going in with a good background of yeah. physics itself, they're kind of just slapped in the face with, like, some sort of abstract concept that they don't really have any experience with, like, in real life. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a good alternative would be to kind of build on things that they already know. Yeah. Teach them how to look at that from a physicalist pers perspective, and then you can use that experience to then move on to other more abstract topics. You know, that's interesting because, like, as a physicist who doesn't work with real-world things that much, <laughs> like, like my day-to-day my -day work in, in research in physics is not something that you see day-to-day. -day. And so that's not the way I really think. Don't, I don't look at the world from a physics perspective, you know? And so a lot of my work is not motivated by, by real-world example. It's, it's like, 
several layers deep in like kind of abstraction if that makes sense right which is interesting so i think because you work with things that are a little more concrete and easy to kind of like see or at least visualize and i think that's changed the way that we approach teaching others physics because the point of applying it to the real world Mm. is to be that like initial spark it's like something for them to latch onto mm-hmm. so that they can better like learn these skills and be motivated to do the work that they need to do as opposed to just forcing them to grab onto some abstract concept that like yeah they can't true. see or whatever that's true yeah i think it's it's like one of the fundamental challenges of teaching physics is that if you're someone teaching physics, you already understand that it's so cool and interesting and fascinating. And you can see, you have the 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 foresight within the curriculum to see where you're going and how cool it's going to be in like a few years when they understand, like they have some analysis experience and they understand how cool like some quantum mechanical effect can be and all this kind of stuff. But then you have to go back and realize that your students don't have that foresight. And so you have that's, to make it engaging without your passion already there for it. That's a problem with the teachers. Yeah. Because I, I mean, feel like, as far as I know, college professors aren't required to have any training in how to teach. Yeah. Which is a problem in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets to that like burden of knowledge concept Yeah. that was kind of ingrained into us during the GRFP writing workshops, where... I think physics professors are in the headset of like teaching what they know, mm-hmm. kind of starting from their perspective in teaching presenter down. Yeah. Whereas what they should do is start with their class and their audience and go down to their level as opposed to just speaking out of their own experience. Yeah, which is so hard to do because your experience is what you're passionate about. Right. They just need more training how to be an audience-centered presenter. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll learn. <sighs> All right. Any closing thoughts? Oh, shit. You closing it up already? Well, yeah. We're at an hour and I've got class soon. Okay, shit. Yeah. Um, I'd like to eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I don't know. Closing thoughts. Um, don't inject Clorox into your veins yeah don't do that don't believe what you see on Facebook (laughs) if anything if you see a viral post about anything that you know could be harmful or impactful in any such way especially if something's like politically generated Mm. first off read the comments scroll through the comments you're gonna see a lot of toxic crap you're also gonna see a lot of people doing fact checks which is great so thing, second thing you should do is Google it. Usually the first five results will tell you if it's real or fake. Or just stay off. Just don't don't engage. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I think That's another strategy, it's, I guess. It's, it's a strategy that I've I've needed to adopt. Uh just to to keep myself healthy. It's just just don't 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 engage with it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. However you want to do it. Mm. Do it right. (laughs) Mm. 
Hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, well, here's the problem with with me being a conversationalist right now is that I have you on this monitor, but on this monitor I'm looking at my Animal Crossing map, and I'm trying to decide if one of these things is is actually possible because I've learned some new terraforming limitations since I've started, and I'm wondering if I have to ch change my uh my plan because I might have to. So we'll uh we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah.